Tracy and Emily are smart lovable sisters who really love Lucifer for the plot. Yeah, the plot, which they overthink. I'm here with my sister, Emily Guy Birkin. She does not use a hyphen. And I'm here with my sister, Tracy Guy Decker. She does use a hyphen. And together, this is Lightbringers, where we illuminate the deeper meaning of the crime-solving devil TV show. And yes, we are overthinking it. So much overthinking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited for today's episode. We are, we are breaking into... I started to say the best season, but actually I don't want to, I don't want to say that just a really good season. We're starting season four. Great season. So today, I th- is it your favorite? Seasons two and four are my favorite. And I think part of why I like season four is that it's a, uh, it's a lean, mean 10 episode machine. <laughs> you know, it just, it, 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 it gets in, it gets the job done. All right. So starts off with. 401 and 402, everything is okay. No, everything's okay, apostrophe S. And mm-hmm. somebody's been reading Dante's Inferno. So yes. <laughs> it starts off with this amazing montage oh of Tom Ellis as Lucifer singing Radiohead, I'm a Creep. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. <laughs> So that was written for us. I yeah. mean, we were in high school in the nineties and that was, that was our song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was when we were feeling low. And as Chloe says at the end, like I used to listen to the song when I was in high school and I was feeling lost. I'm like, you were a little young for that according to the show, but yes. yes. Yep. Exactly. We were there when that song debuted yeah. and mm, yeah. So, so it and that, it's really, and then oh, sorry, go ahead. really well done the 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 montage, yeah, showing how time has passed. Uh-huh. Um, and actually, the uh, I saw that the director of the show is Sherwin Shalati, I think is his name, who is also the director. Um, and I only remember this because someone uh, mentioned it on AV Club or something. Also, the director of Till Death Do Us Part, which is the, the episode that you really love with Pierce and Lucifer going undercover as, as Mary. Right, Cumber. right. And then also God Johnson, which has that amazing oh, montage. Yeah, those are and great so episodes. Think, all three of those. Yeah, I think Sherwin has a real Gift. skill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for 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 the montage. Yeah, that says more than you would expect. Just a few seconds of, of airtime to show yeah the changing colors the changing uh the suits clothing and the, the people in the, and the people yeah. in the club listening yeah. yeah yeah and and speaking of suits the last one that he's wearing is this classic black suit, black white, suit shirt, white shirt red red pocket, pocket square. square yeah i noticed that too and the yeah. color in the the backdrop like mm-hmm. that it's like a abstracted city scene i think sort of I've seen it suggested that it looks like a throne. And so it kind of uh, or, um, foreshadows. Or like a, I, I hear that it also sort of has a mandrela effect, you know, with sort mm-hmm. of like potentially like abstracted wings kind of behind him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's good. It's good. And, and in that yeah. very first, after that montage, that very first scene with Mr. Set Out Bitch and, and his cronies, his uh, minions, mm-hmm. we start to see, actually, I think I mentioned this before we started recording. I feel like our writers are giving us a foreshadow of 
the rest of the series really, but especially the season about sort of second chances and redemption Mm -hmm. arcs and sort of like, but you're more than a thief, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, It was really foreshadowing. And I don't think I didn't find it heavy handed. Like I found it like Mm -hmm. amusing enough that like, I, I didn't, I wasn't like, all right. Okay. Even in rewatch, I enjoyed Mm -hmm. it, especially when Lee is just like, uh, can I just go now? (laughs) (laughs) And then when he and May's cross and he's, she's like, sup. (laughs) Totally normal. So, yeah. Well, that actor, I'm very glad we get to see more of him in season five, because I feel like that actor, he's got amazing comedic timing. Like he, he, he did, does a really good job of that, but there's also like, there's the pathos. He's capable of pathos as well. And, and it's like the moment turns on a dime. Cause he goes from like being terrified to being like super confused. But yes. <laughs> I particularly was like, all right, fine. Since you went without pants right. last time we met, here's mine. Right. Right. <laughs> right. And then we get view of what we, somebody called, I think maybe it was AV club. The MVP of the season, which is Tom Ellis' ass. Tom Ellis' ass. <laughs> <laughs> Although his abs, I think, are, I mean, they, they get They're a close second. Yeah. Yeah. They, an honorable mention. Yeah. <laughs> really the whole torso. Because he did, he did a lot of work on his shoulders and Ooh. chest as well. Anyway. Um, so also our writers note that he's naked from the waist down when Maze comes up and is like, Oh, hello, stranger. Like looking at his crotch. (laughs) (laughs) I I found that adorable. I love that. Yes. Even though I am as a viewer, sometimes uncomfortable with the recognition that he and Maze have slept together many times. I'm going to make it more uncomfortable when we meet Lilith, but I'll wait until we get there. Oh gosh. I don't even know about that. (laughs) I'll wait till we get there. I'll wait. I don't want to think about that. I'm holding it. It's an ace in my sleeve. Okay. So let's, let's move into the, I mean, we're like stuck in the first like five minutes of the episode. I know. Well, cause it's an excellent five minutes. It really is. It really is. Well, let's get, talk about the, the case. Yeah. So something that I have been rethinking, uh, and overthinking (laughs) as we've been doing this project is consistently people will say that the case of the week is the weakest part of the show. And I don't think that's wrong. And we've talked about the fact that it's a procedural, which is, you know, such a common way to tell stories to the, to the point where like when you first were reading like mm-hmm. criticism, you're like, well, why wouldn't it be? What else would it be? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the only vehicle we have. Yeah. But I have been thinking lately about the creative challenge that the showrunners have given themselves of making sure that the case of the week always ties back to the characters. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that works well and sometimes it works less well. But I was thinking about it a lot in terms of this case. And I think in part because by the time I got to season four, the first time I watched it, I was like, I went from, you know, I was watching one or two episodes a night to like, all right, I'm clearing my schedule. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I was not seeing the parallels as much because I was watching it so like, like popcorn, just mm-hmm. like consuming it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I unhinged my jaw and right. swallowed the episodes. Right. Right. <laughs> and, uh, thinking about both just from the creative side, like how cool that is that the writers 
did that and created something that allowed them to tell these stories, anchoring it on something that was going to get greenlit by Fox and then saved on Netflix. But then also being able to tell these really interesting stories about the human condition mm-hmm. using crime as the, as the central metaphor. I still think that it could have been cool without that, but considering the box they were in, I appreciate what they've done with it. And then especially within this episode, the case is about a second chance. Right. Okay. So Bob the knob. <laughs> Bob the knob. Got to have a second chance. Right. Have a, have a different life from who he had been. And he slipped up. He, uh, Glenn, the other honey. Or purveyor. Ape, ape, purveyor. Apiary. Ape, ape, I don't know. Beekeeper. Bee guy. <laughs> Beekeeper. Did not deserve to be hit with Beaten with a bag of doorknobs. Who does that? Who does that? Yeah. Did not deserve that. But that doesn't mean that Bob the Knob deserved to die. Right. Or that, you know, his wife would feel differently about him. I mean, I I can't imagine she would be furious at him, but she wouldn't want him out of her life, you know? Maybe. Um, I mean, and she didn't. She didn't get a chance. I found that like really interesting because as we're talking about second chances and at one point, even Lucifer's like, well, he's trying Mm -hmm. and this is more than you're doing. Mm -hmm. That's more than you're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the place of righteous indignation Mm -hmm. that the marshal stands on is very similar to father. Kinley's place of righteous indignation more so in the future, right? In future episodes, we will see father Kinley follow the marshal precisely. Mm In these two episodes, we don't see it yet, I think. Yeah, not quite. Not quite. Well, I think we see it a little bit in the second episode. I mean, a little bit, but... It's hard to know what I don't already know. Right. You know? Right. I Yeah. I think in these two episodes, in first watch, I'm not sure that you would see the parallel with Father Kinley and the mm-hmm. Marshal yet. It definitely gets there in, in future mm-hmm. episodes in this season. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, all we know about Father Kinley in this first episode is that he and Chloe know each other. There's something that they're planning to do together and that she's really conflicted about. Yeah. So, Uh but we're also seeing, you know, she's, she's coming back saying everything's okay. Uh And clearly is not, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that recoil from, from Lucifer, which (sighs) was not that well. Agreed. It was terrible. It was really terrible. It was like, yeah, agreed. I, you know, I'm not a huge germ fan. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that actually this season is part of why, but or mm-hmm. moments in this season that being one of them. Yeah, I just, yeah. I just, it, you just didn't feel I it. Didn't it believe just, it, was, it. I didn't. Yeah, it just felt like you know the director was like, okay, so like you're actually scared when he touches you, Mm-mm. but I didn't. I don't know. It felt, it, yeah. I, it felt yeah. like a performance. Yes. It was like, it was for the cheap seats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And that's, it just, it, when you've got someone who's the master of subtlety. Right. Right. Maybe, yeah, maybe that performance would have worked against a different actor if, if Lucifer were played yeah. by someone other than Ellis. Yeah. 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 Anyway. That said, the character's, fear and response makes complete total sense. sense. 
total sense, especially when we get to, when we realize that someone that we thought we trust is in fact, like a, you know, sociopath or a, a narcissist or a, you know, whatever the sort of the charis, the charismatic Machiavelli, mm-hmm. it's so confusing and hard to like figure it out. And that's mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. a like standard, typical human way of being. So to have that kind of confusion on top of the, the like celestials are real and this is the literal mm-hmm. double. Yeah. It would be, I, I, I found the character's behavior completely comprehensible. Mm-hmm. Well, and particularly, and so we'll get into the second episode with this, particularly with knowing that she's got Father Kinley whispering in her ear. And we are, because we've been on this, this journey for three years, now four years, we know that Lucifer's not what Kinley is saying he is, but he seems to be an expert. He is gentle and kind and, and, you know, is, is using arguments that seem unimpeachable. I mean, they're photographs of the man of, of the man she knows with Nazis. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. And I do appreciate her response when he says, you know, whenever he comes to earth, death and destruction follows. And she's like, Hmm, that's circumstantial evidence at best. Yeah. His response, well, it's a lot of circumstantial evidence. And then I was thinking like, well, how do you death and destruction follows? Like that's the human condition. (laughs) So, so like, how do you know what, what parentheses to put around his time on? Yeah. And compare it to when he's not on. Right. What is the control in this, Mm -hmm. in this comparison? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting though, because she's like, no, I will not accept that circumstantial evidence. And, and then later, is it the same episode when she's like, if it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck, it probably mm-hmm. murders like a duck. It's like, she's accepted his, mm-hmm. which I think is maybe it's like, like when, to be um, justifying what she's doing with the sedative. Yes. Yes. I think that's what it is, is that it's she, she needs something to believe in. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, all right, it's going to be a lot easier if I can just say, like, if they are what they seem to be, then that's, that's, that's enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, that also, I feel like is very realistic and human, even among someone who requires as much evidence as, as Chloe does and who is as good a detective as she is. She has gotten the shock of her life right. and it's like global and personal. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Right. Right. It's, it's not just global, um, it's co- cosmological. Yeah. 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 And that walks like a duck murders like a duck. That's in the second. That's in the um, Don yes, Inferno one. Uh, yeah. Yes. Because that's the reality TV. It's the reality TV show one. Yeah. 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 And that's, I can completely comprehend that. Like if you're trying to convince yourself to do something you don't want to do, mm-hmm. finding yeah. Unrelated things. It's interesting too, though, the, in that episode, in that second episode where she has a genuine reaction when she, with the fireball, with the mm-hmm. gas explosion, and she's like, no, you know, when she thinks he's going to be hurt, like she genuinely cares for him, which is not a surprise. Mm-hmm. We know that, but it's interesting that our writers had that come through after her trying to convince herself that if it walks like a duck mm-hmm. and talks like a duck. Then it probably murders like a duck. That was an interesting moment. And actually, I think you had a good point before we started recording about her confusion in that mm-hmm. bit. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. 
So as I mentioned, I, I binged, particularly when I got to season four. And I didn't really take in her confusion about the fact that he's vulnerable sometimes and not others. And so when she gets angry at him after she breaks the wine glass and he's bleeding and she gets angry and she's like, are you doing this on purpose? Are you trying to make me care about you? This is the first time I really took it in like, oh yeah, that would be really confusing. Like, you know, he walked out of a, a fiery inferno fine. And, um, but you know, a little bit of cut glass and he's bleeding. And so is he doing, is this a manipulation? Right. Especially since Kinley has suggested that he will do whatever it takes to charm her and like make these little adjustments. And she's even just said no white tablecloth from the Mm -hmm. Pierce episode when he was trying to. Yes. And he said, well, that didn't go over so well. So I made adjustments. Like, so he even Mm -hmm. sort of in his language kind of Mm -hmm. corroborated Mm -hmm. Kinley's story. So yeah, mm-hmm. that confusion makes a lot of sense. I, and I agree with you. I'm not sure that I fully comprehended her lack of comprehension about when yeah. she's, uh, when he is. Well, and it, I think it was because in one of those, because it has been such a, like a central, central tenant, tenant of, of this, but, but of, it, but it was a, it was a piece of dramatic irony Yeah, where we knew, but she didn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That final almost final scene of that one with the ax. Oh my God. <laughs> I've, I've watched that scene many times. So many times. <laughs> it, the, I, I don't know what it says about my psychology and conditioning that that vulnerability, uh, mm-hmm. is so friggin' sexy. <laughs> Like, it really is so sexy when she's got like, I don't want her to hurt him, but like when she's like, no, so I could hurt you. And he's just like, yes. Like, I don't know. It's hot. Yeah. It's really hot. Yeah. yeah. I will. And the, the fact that like when, when she's like, but you, you, you jumped in front of it anyway to save me. Yes. And I would do like it. You again. jumped in front of it yes. and again. Save- and again. Yes. Yeah. Do it again and again and again. And don't you know that by now? And it's just like, yeah. Puddle. <laughs> yeah. That scene. My spouse came in while that scene was, was on and I was just like, do not say a word <laughs> to ruin this. So my spouse was also watching with me and they kept asking me questions. And I was like, seriously, <laughs> I cannot do this with you. Why is she doing that? What is happening? Where do they, why doesn't she, what's with the bottle? What's, stop talking. (laughs) I love you. Go away. (laughs) I feel like your spouse and my youngest need to sit together at movies. (laughs) (laughs) And I think those moments are part of why we have such affection for season four. Because, you know, it's not just that there's that moment, which is just hot, which is, again, like, right. I don't want, like, <laughs> like I'm not going to lay therapist. down on the couch with Linda. With my therapist. Yeah. Yeah. I will. I, but not here. But th- there's that. And then there's also the dawning realization on Chloe's part of who he is and what he has done for her mm-hmm. which she never time. fully understands she never really understood I, yeah. I don't i don't think she even does even through season six yeah like, i don't think yeah. she ever fully understands like when he 
died and went to hell to get the yeah like all, like all mm-hmm. of all of the things and the the deal he made when Malcolm killed him and like mm-hmm. so many things I don't think she ever fully yeah. I mean I don't know anyway but this is the first time she has she's starting to see it, it. Mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and then I think it's it's also interesting that this comes immediately after the first episode, the scene where he's keeping the car from, uh, uh-huh. from getting away, uh-huh. which is like genuinely kind of terrifying uh-huh. because he's doing something that is physically, humanly physically impossible, impossible. Uh-huh. humanly impossible mm-hmm. and like roaring. And, you know, now she knows who he is and what he is. And so the contrast between the vulnerability of having that ax against his chest versus like, you know, his hole in his hand, but he's still able to hold mm-hmm. on to an SUV. Um, Which is another one of those moments where like the writers just seem to like whatever serves if he has superhuman mm-hmm. strength when she's around or not. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I mean, if he self-actualizes, <laughs> I guess I can sort of, you know, he needed it in that moment. And so he self-actualized yeah. the strength in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. He must also heal very quickly because he had a hole in his hand. Like you could look through right. it. They showed us that. They showed him look through it. Yeah. Oh, and oh, oh, oh. Speaking of, actually, it's almost like our writers were retroactively listening to us or pro, pro, whatever in the future. Because what last, our last episode, we talked about like, why aren't there exit wounds? And like the bullets, oh, like yes. in his waistband, there weren't. Yes. We saw that there were bullet holes in the back of his shirt, but the front of his shirt mm-hmm. was fine. So, yeah. So <laughs> thanks, he was y'all. walking around with bullets in his, in his clothes. <laughs> yeah. We or, should have heard them go bing, 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 bing. Or they dissolve, or they dissolve in his celestial body, but, but you know, no, no exit wounds. So yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I actually, because we had just talked about it in our last episode, mm-hmm. I noticed that mm-hmm. specifically. Mm-hmm. Also when a Menadiel is at the coffee shop, and he like sidles up next to somebody. Is that Ildi? You know who that is? That was Ildi, that's right? It's Ildi. Hi, Ildi. <laughs> if you ever see this, we love you. <laughs> I actually want to talk real quick about um it's so on the nose, but it's perfect in the same way that I feel like him saying creep is is so on the nose and yet perfect that he put on 90s jams for her because he knows that's her favorite music and And poison poison (laughs) that girl and it's like and i love that song i love that song (laughs) like he makes fun of her her taste right i think that's bell biv Biv devoe now you know big button smile <laughs> girl is poison. okay 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 so he makes fun of her <laughs> so he makes fun of her. but you know like that's actually that's 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 a good song um it's a weird song for a romantic night but you know he's <laughs> he's a weird dude he's a weird dude <laughs> it's one of those where like it would never be like that in real life and yet i love it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. like the coincidence of it being the song poison mm-hmm. While she's trying to poison him. She's trying to roofie the devil. Right. <laughs> Why is it got to be in like that, like very like Snow White, Wicked Witch, <laughs> Wicked yeah, Witch it's like, vile. Since, <laughs> since, since the Middle Ages, we've had this bottle of 
Right. We've, we've of been, sacred roofies. We've been, we've been prepping for this since the 14th century here. It's just, well, it, it's just like a, a prepare the holy hand grenade. <laughs> prepare the holy roofies. And, and like, actually when my spouse was like asking, I was like, I don't remember the, pla- how was she supposed to poison the, like it was a sedative and he was going to perform an exorcism. But, mm-hmm. but Lucifer wasn't, I f- he wasn't that's possessing the, anyone. The thing is, I think that might be what Kinley told her. Oh, and he was actually just going to kill him. Oh, okay. Well, I, maybe we'll find out. So I think it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Kinley's been telling her like this guy is manipulating you. And then at the end, she's like, you knew that he was vulnerable about, around me. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, I suspected. So like she, she doesn't know who to trust. Right. Yeah. Like that came home to me more strongly mm-hmm. in this savoring than when I binged it. Cause I also did the same thing and just watched them mm-hmm. all at once. And just the degree to which like, she just can't trust anyone or doesn't know who she can trust because well, and she I, doesn't know I, if she can trust her own instincts at this point. Mm-hmm. I feel like realizing that Kinley must've known that she made him vulnerable is what made her decide not that to she wouldn't work with him anymore. Yeah. Because if he had been honest with her about that, she, he might've been able to convince her, but because he tried to manipulate her. I mean, maybe, or maybe, I mean, that would have, which is why he didn't tell her. Cause that, Changes, changes what the they calculus. are to one yeah. another. Yeah. yeah. And what her role is or should be. Yeah. Yeah. I really appreciate, like they do good villains for the most part in the show. And father Kinley is up there with, uh, with Malcolm. That's one of my favorites. And it's partially cause he chews the scenery somewhat too. <laughs> Not yet. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm remembering as I'm watching that, like when I just watched it, I didn't, it didn't soak it. Like this actor is really good. Like we're going to get to see him with different personalities, which is really cool. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to get, get ahead of ourselves, but yeah. All right. Let's talk about actually like the Kinley Chloe conversation, because I think we have talked Mm -hmm. before about some of the metaphors for mental illness in this Mm -hmm. show. And, and this is a, you know, a key one that comes up again and again. Like if they, if, if this person that I, care about learns who I really am, then they're mm-hmm. going to run away, which literally <laughs> happens. And mm-hmm. so it's hard for him to trust when she comes back. I'm getting away from myself. I want to talk about the fact that with that in the background, this conversation that Kinley and Chloe are having where Chloe's like, no, you don't know. I'm like, I know him is a little prob- potentially problematic, right? Because it's sort of the way that abused people, especially women talk about their abusers, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That sort of apologia for abusers. Like you just don't know him the way that I know him. Like that's like mm-hmm. a, a, that's a, a common way that the abused talk about their abusers when they are in that sort of mm-hmm. codependent kind mm-hmm. of a relationship. And I, I don't fault our writers for having her say that because it is true. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't abused her. Well, <laughs> he hasn't physically abused her. Yeah. I mean, some of the ways that he's like pulling her near and pushing her away are sort of emotionally abusive. Yeah. I was going to say they weren't intentionally so, but the impact and intent are not yeah. the same. Yeah. 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 That's true. Can I just it's say, a, ouch? It, 
I didn't. I, ouch. I didn't. I didn't know where didn't I was going with there. that. Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah. So this is going to sound weird. I'm not saying the writers gave themselves a fig leaf by making Kinley nefarious, but he was, he does not actually have Chloe's best interests at heart. And the people who do like Dan aren't telling her what to do. So like Dan is taking a similar stance where it's just like, what other secrets is he keeping that we don't know? How can you forgive and him for trusting her? To- yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Cause, cause, and that, yeah, that is how like the suggestions are for if you have a loved one who is in an abusive relationship, how to keep the channels open while planting seeds that, you know, you deserve better than this. Yeah. Although I, like the show makes it clear that Dan is also wrong. Well, right. Dan is not particularly sympathetic right now. No, except that he is. I mean, that the moment like when if you view the whole context he certainly is he's been through a lot and the people he relied on the most were absent but you still just the actual like while he's on screen i'm not like mm-hmm. oh damn you know well like in the, that, that's the moment I mean between him and I, I i get it i get it it's just in the back of my head i'm thinking he's lost someone who whether or not it would have been true he believed was the love right. of his life and then his ex-wife, who was also a friend, and his daughter left for a month without saying anything. Well, we don't know if they said anything, and, but yeah. Yeah. Hastily, for sure. Hastily left. Yeah. And uh, his closest male friend. As far as we know, yeah. As far as we know. Without, he did go without saying a word and without calling. Yeah. For a and month. no calls because yeah. they don't have telephones there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So he had been sort of friendly with Lucifer, but it was a weird relationship, but he's holding Lucifer responsible for Charlotte's death, which is understandable. And the, like that, that moment when Amenadiel says she's in heaven and he immediately is like, don't. Mm-hmm. And I completely oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. understand that. That's one of the, the way that Amenadiel responds is lovely. And Dan does get a, at least a moment of peace um, when he gets, when he hugs him, he's like, you know what? I, I kind of believe you. That's just, that's meaningful. It's lovely and meaningful. And yeah, the thing that I'm thinking that's, uh, it's never brought up, but it just occurred to me, like, you know, at one point, Kinley says to Chloe, we can't do this without you. Prior to her learning that she makes uh, Lucifer vulnerable. And I was I thinking she this said time that at now, the end when she was leaving. Oh, mm-hmm. He said it, I think he said it again, but he said it. Cause um, when she says, I know. Mm-hmm. I, and that's, Oh yeah, no, no, he, he says it to her twice. Oh, cause he says we, okay. we can't do this without you. Um, uh, or like we need you for this or something like that. And, uh, I had this thought, like, might it occur to Chloe that like, wouldn't it make sense to go talk to Ella since she is Catholic? She's already like that. She she might be asking herself why Kinley didn't uh, like. She's similarly close to Lucifer. I mean, not the same kind of closeness, but similarly close. Why aren't they asking Ella um, and and kind of having that? But maybe that's you know extended universe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, I, I, it's obvious why he didn't because it wouldn't wouldn't be able to do what he wanted, right? Because he knew about the vulnerability thing. Yeah, the mm-hmm. proximity to Chloe. I do want to talk about Linda May's Amanda deal. Well. 
Linda's pregnancy before we started recording, I was, I was asking, I was just like, what's the timing here? Like, how far along could she be? Cause it's been a while. It feels like since yeah. they were together. Yeah. Cause they made up cause Linda and May's made up a month ago. Yeah. Uh, well, and Amenadiel's been going well, and Yeah. And they had stopped sleeping together by that point. So yeah. Yeah. So she's probably like, I'm thinking she's like Maybe three eight months. Weeks? I'm yeah. thinking more like 12, okay. 10 to 12. She's of an it age where sense. if she, you of know, an age she's where... in perimenopause, like periods get irregular. Yeah. Yeah. Her reaction. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and then when she tells Amenadiel and that like that other, the woman is like, um, actually we're talking, we're kind of talking. And then she just sort of like, <laughs> she just sort of slides out. <laughs> Oh, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Like, all right, that is too much for me. Amenadiel kind of searching for purpose on earth. I, I appreciated that moment in part because like, I feel like that's a common thing for adults. Oh yeah. In some ways. Yes. <laughs> I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. I'm 46 yes. years old. I don't know what I want to be. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and all the people who like, oh, okay, you need me. Nope. Don't need you. <laughs> and not that I think that having a baby is a good way to give yourself purpose, but that was uh, lovely, particularly because it was just two people who are excited and not lovers. Yeah. You know, it shows a, a, a cool way that co-parenting can work, which, you know, you don't often see. So... I have an overthinking thing. Maybe this is fluff. I don't know. But Lucifer planned this like long opera, like chopper trip to San Francisco and bought a dress for her and everything. And then she was like, uh, can we like postpone? And so mm -hmm. the next day we see Ella say, I took my abuelita to the opera. Mm -hmm. Isn't her abuelita in Detroit? Oh, I, was, I think so, her abuelita is in Detroit. I don't think she's in LA. Maybe her abuelita had come to visit and just happened to be in Los Angeles. I mean, or maybe Lucifer flew her in. I don't know. But like, that just seemed like I had an overthinking moment there. I wondered that myself. Yeah. This is the start of, speaking of Ella, this is the start of her crisis of faith. Mm -hmm. Because um, of Charlotte's death. Because of Charlotte's death. Which is really understandable, but I also am wondering, like, considering the fact that she's raising bathtub chickens, had Bob the turtle who did get along with Margaret the chicken, and it watched 27 seasons of it in two weeks, like, how much time did she spend at church? <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking, there's this, uh, there's this great line from 30 Rock when Selma Hayek says to Alec Baldwin's character, who's supposed to be Catholic also, like, I hope you're not one of those convenient Catholics who only goes to church on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was reminded of. That's funny. So I, have we talked about all that we want to talk Just about? Just checking my notes. Um, we did not talk about Chloe keeping Trixie from Mays. Oh, yes. I think we should talk about that. Mm -hmm. Which is because um, as a viewer, like the relationship between Trixie and Maze is, um, is just really satisfying. As a parent, mm -hmm. I totally get why Chloe was not so oh, yeah. excited to renew that. Yeah. I, well, and everything hits different, like the knives, <laughs> the, the like casual violence. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, I don't want my child around that. That's not okay. I mean, 
Why was it okay though when she was just a normal human? <laughs> when she was just a bounty hunter. Yeah. Now, now that I know she's a demon, <laughs> all this casual violence and casual sex is not okay. <laughs> fair. That is a fair assessment. Although there is a gentleness from Maze towards Trixie mm-hmm. that you don't see from her towards anyone else. Her very first friend. Mm-hmm. Besides Lucifer. Who yeah. isn't a very good friend. Yeah. He's not, it's kind of a terrible friend. He gets better. <laughs> But yeah, although they did have that moment, like, are you still mad about me betraying you? That was like a month ago. Yeah. What am I, human? Yeah. No, of course not. I did appreciate that where it's just like, it's water under the bridge. Yeah. Although, uh, you know, it's similarly, Trixie says to Maze, I couldn't stay angry at you. You know, when Maze is like, I'm so sorry. And she's starting to cry. And Trixie's like, I know that dummy. Are we ready for fluff? I think we are. What you got? Oh, I've got one. (laughs) So when they go in the first episode, actually, I've got two from the first episode. So first one, when they go to Glenn, the beekeeper at the farmer's Mm -hmm. market. And he he keeps looking back at Chloe, breaking the spell. (laughs) Yes. When he finally, like... Makes eye contact. He called, he's like, Glenn. Glenda. Glenda. <laughs> and he puts his hair behind his, his ear. hair behind his ears. And I was just like, oh, I'd let him call me Glenda. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any hair to tuck behind my ear, but that, I would still appreciate that gesture. Oh, it was just... Mm. And then Glenn actually had these gorgeous big brown eyes. <laughs> it's like, oh, look at you, Glenn. <laughs> The other thing I appreciated is like, I'm from Los Angeles and even I think avocado honey isn't a big <laughs> <laughs> That's just too far. You can't get more hippie than me. So that's, that's the first one. The second one, I think of Lucifer and the good places being in conversation with each other. And we've talked about this a little bit before, but I feel like the title of the first episode, Everything's Okay, now they do titles. Some of them are winks to, to fans. And this is the first episode after the hashtag save Lucifer campaign succeeded. So part of this, I think is the showrunners saying like, everything is okay. We're on Netflix now. So I think that was part of it, but it also is a kind of reflection of when Eleanor wakes up in the good place. She's across from a sign that says everything is fine. And then later on it says everything is great. And so I feel like this is also an intentional nod to the ways in which the good place also talks about the afterlife and what it means to be good Mm -hmm. and what it means to have second chances. And so I find that really, really interesting. And my goodness, if Ildi and Joe and Michael Schur were on a podcast together. Oh, awesome. I would listen to the hell out yeah, of that. Yeah, me too. That would be awesome. <laughs> but maybe, and, and oh gosh, it would be so good. Because <laughs> there'd be so and much interesting Maybe the fella, what, what, what was his name? The, uh, the director of this first? Oh, Sherwin yeah. Shalati. Yeah. 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 That'd be, that'd be pretty great. All right. So my one little piece of fluff, my spouse actually noticed it when they are on that bridge right before that recoil that Mm -hmm. was very performative. There's a duck walking the other direction on the bridge. (laughs) They're, they're walking and like this little like 
stuck. <laughs> and then when they zoom out, it's gone. Like, I guess it, I don't know if it was multiple takes or it, the duck just moved along, but just really funny that that duck is there. And then in the next episode, it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck. I don't know. I just was thinking about ducks. Um, but that's my little, that's a little piece. I understand of, by the whole, stand by the whole. I still don't understand okay. by the whole. Yeah. I still don't understand by a duck. Right. By a duck. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that, that was just like a little piece of like continuity. They were like, yeah, leave yeah. it. <laughs> leave it the duck. For people paying attention. <laughs> now I'm going to have to go back. Yeah. Why? It's watch a little, for it because or it might've been a goose. Well, it was a little waddling little yeah. waterfowl. <laughs> I don't know if you know the duck song, like waddle, waddle, waddle. <laughs> Duck who keeps going to the lemonade stand asking for grapes. I don't know that song. <laughs> the duck's kind of a sociopath. <laughs> I don't know that song. He keeps asking for grapes, and then the guy's like, I sell lemonade, and finally takes him to the, the grocery store to buy him grapes. And the duck says, Do you think they have any lemonade here? <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, it's uh, my, my kids introduced me I to figured. it. It's funny. It's, yeah. I figured that. Well, you know, my spouse is really into duck related. <laughs> This and the DuckTales theme song. That's just on constant. DuckTales, uh, sorry, Darkwing Duck is on Disney Plus now. And I was like, oh, oh. Darkwing Duck is on Dick's Disney Plus. And I was Darkwing Duck. And I was like saying the thing, what? when there's trouble, you call DW. The LDW. very first episode has disturbing misogyny in it. Oh, <laughs> I was like, no. oh, no. You can't go home again. You never go you home, again. home again. Don't watch oh. Darkwing Duck on Disney Plus. <laughs> Or skip the first episode, oh, I guess. Well, but, we are so yeah. overthinking and, it. We're like in a whole oh other universe. <laughs> I'm calling it. I'm calling Oh, actually, okay. I got to go. I have a haircut appointment. Oh, oh go get I your haircut. haircut. Make, sure they, make sure they put your hair oh, I will. here tenderly. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> See you next tenderly. week. I'll see you next week. Our theme song is Feral Angel Waltz by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons, by Attribution 4.0 License. Visit the show notes for the URL. I am an artificially generated voice, powered by Narakeep.com. Lucifer, is a Warner Brothers production that first aired on Fox and then Netflix. Tracy and Emily are not affiliated with Fox, Netflix, nor WB. If you liked this episode, subscribe to Keep Overthinking with them, and visit the show notes for other ways to connect.